Welcome to Top Dog Podcast. I'm Katja. Hello, and I'm Adrian. Good to have you here. And you might just be as amazing as the people that we are talking to today in this show. We meet people who do amazing things for and with dogs. We talk to people who have great ideas. Or sometimes crazy ideas. Whatever they do or are, they make your dog's life much, much better. Or even your life. Now it's time to unleash the dogs. This program is rated D for dog. It contains sniffing, scratching and doggy themes. What's the buzz? Tell me what's happening. What's the buzz? My book is my shelter. Decency or jealousy? That is the question. To sniff or not to sniff? That is also the question. And, of course... Top Dog Odd Spot Challenge. Now, we still haven't found the dog who's able to say Top Dog Odd Spot Challenge. And we discussed that last time in length, Katja, that we probably have to give up on that one, don't we? That's sad, because I really like the challenge. But if we can't find anyone, well, then we'll have to give up on it. But let's start with the odd spot. Yeah, but the lines are open and let's just hope we will be in for a surprise. See what's happening. We might get lucky. But first, the odd spot. And that are stories that make you laugh, cry or inspire. Now, Adrian, do you like going to the theatre? Uh, not really, no. I'd rather go to the movies. Because with theatre, you never know what you're in for. <laughs> okay, yes. Well, um, a few people going to see a musical in Canada, they were actually uh, also didn't know what they were in for. They met quite a few dogs in the theatre. And uh, after the show, they took the opportunity to take cute photos of all the dogs sitting there in the theatre. And it turns out that it was a training day for the service dogs. So basically, the idea is the handlers take the dogs out for a show so that they get used to the lights, the different environment and the noise. So that when later on they take their humans with them or the humans take them, I don't know which way around, that they're used to what it's like being in a theater. And uh, the owner of the training company, uh, Mrs. McKenzie, was quite happy that they got so much positive response. She thinks it's good to increase the awareness of service dogs. So, but that means they just have to go to a theatre and see a play they might not like. Correct. That's not fair. <laughs> They're not being asked, would you like to see whatever? They just have to go there. And if it's crap, they have to put up with it. Correct. <laughs> it's not very good. Or they might start uh, bad reviews. Yeah, all the dog magazines will have <laughs> reviews <laughs> written by dogs. Who knows? Not suitable for dogs. <laughs> Storyline, not very yes. realistic. <laughs> That's right. Hey, and what about if one of these dogs has fleas? It will infest all the other dogs in the theatre. That would be really bad. And, uh, you know, particularly now in the Southern Hemisphere with uh, spring coming, it's a big issue. 
Yeah, because things are coming alive. Everything, you know, flowers are flowering and leaves are coming out and also annoying creatures like mosquitoes, fleas or ticks. I'm very popular with mosquitoes, so I could use some help as well. Uh, but how do you protect your dog? Like you could use a smelly collar, uh, chemical treatments. Yeah, which sometimes can go really wrong. There are cases of seizure when they take chemical treatment, so it's not always a good idea. Uh, and uh, the natural remedies, my sister has tried them, they are not always that reliable. No, and this is the point here, because um, there is some kind of a natural remedy that we found. It's called scalar waves, and scalar waves is an energy form. They are electromagnetic waves outside physics as we know it. And the theory is a bit confusing or creates confusion because some say scalar waves do exist and others say no it's all humbug it's nonsense it doesn't exist and it's not existing in a way and working in a way as we think it does so what it actually is that scalar waves are produced and two electromagnetic waves of the same frequency opposite to each other are exactly out of phase and that then creates a so-called scalar wave did you understand <laughs> <laughs> no, I might need to go to the Nikola no. Tesla Museum in Belgrade to brush up on that skill. Yeah. You don't have to understand. It's just the way that's what scalar waves are. Discovered, uh, they were discovered by a Scottish mathematician in the 19th century. And then 50 years later, as you said, the physicist Nikola Tesla, he actually then proved that they do exist. And the alternative medicine in the early 2000 they really embraced that kind of energy some even say it can cure really bad illnesses like cancer or even aids or other genetic diseases but we don't we don't want to go that far so there's a company called cat and dogs and they claim that this tag what they produce it's a biotech flea and tick repellent that it works and they uh, sent me two of these tags I tried them on my dogs and then I rang the managing director cat and dogs global his name is Ben Poole and we chatted about those tags Ben, could you please explain to us what this flea and tick repellent actually is? What is it made of and what does it do? Thank you for that. It's a very interesting question, which um, I get all the time. Basically, they are a tag, which is um, quite small. It's only two and a half centimeters in, in diameter, and it's made 100% of aluminium. And the idea came from a study with um, in the Madrid University a veterinary faculty of the Madrid University and it was developed from the beginning of 1990 to 1992 when the first field trials were held and then in 1998 the Caratona bought the company and the patent and carried out the same field trials what it is is this aluminium disc during the manufacturing process is charged with some electromagnetic waves. Now these waves, when the tag is attached to the, the, the animal, the waves react with 
similar waves which are natural in all mammal in all mammals including humans and the tag reacts to these identical waves by um, being exactly out of phase and this fight between the two sets of waves creates what is known as scalar waves these in turn create a bioresident field around the animal which repels flying parasites in fact one testimonial we've had the owner actually saw the parasites hovering in front of the animal without getting closer to it now the tags have to be attached to the animal's neck because that's the nearest they can get to the heart and they take a few days well depending on the size of the dog between 7 and 21 days become effective as this fight between the two sets of electromagnetic waves develops the scalar waves this, if you've got a small dog it'll take about a week if you've got a German shepherd it'll take you about three weeks now I did test these tags on my dogs you kindly sent me some and uh, they've been wearing it now for a few weeks already but I have to say Well, we are in the south of Australia. It's winter. It's not flea or tick season here. So I can't really tell, do they really work? But you claim that these tags not only do repel fleas and ticks, they actually do contribute to the well-being of the animal. One of my dogs is 14 years old, and I have to say, since it's wearing that tag, it has become more active. During the previous description of how it works, I mentioned scalar waves. Well, scalar waves are, have recently become known about, become visible, because they are one of the foundations of um, holistic medicine. And um, in the practitioners of holistic medicine use scalar wave generators to make people feel better and to solve certain specific problems. I can't say whether they do exactly, but the practitioners claim that scalar wave techniques do improve the wellness of their customers. We have mentioned this in the past, but never stressed it, because we can't really ask the dogs whether they're feeling any better. But if owners notice it, then obviously it is a benefit, and you're not the only person to have made the same made similar As I said before, it's winter season here in South Australia and I can't really tell if it does work on my dogs, apart from that my old dog feels much, much better. But what I can say is, and I think everybody agrees too, that these tags are completely safe and especially non-toxic uh, and have no side effects because that's a big problem with um, flea and tick repellent that some dogs actually get poisoned by them. So that's can't happen with these tags. I mean, one of the benefits of the tags being non-chemical is that bitches on with puppies can be protected and also puppies themselves can wear the tags at a much earlier time in their life than if they were waiting for the suitable time for the chemicals to be safe with them. 
another big benefit is that the humans aren't exposed to the chemicals and the owners aren't and because one of the characteristics of the chemical treatments that has been discovered by a research group in the US is that the chemicals used in the majority of chemical um, repellents can be very poisonous to children and even carcinogenic. Time will tell if it works on my dogs. And you had mentioned that there's something similar for humans as well, if you could maybe give us a few words about that one. Yeah, I've been involved with cat and dogs tags. I mean, they've been around 21 years, but I've been involved for about the last six years. And I've, I've had the occasional comment about, well, the tag's working so well for our dogs, but I still get bitten when I take it out for a walk or go out for a ride with the dog running alongside me. In order to respond to this, we, um, cat and dogs and myself, we responded with a designing a tag which would be, would work just as well for human beings. And what we've done is made it a bit bigger. It is now um, three centimeters in diameter. And it's also made of a different material of an alloy of pewter and xanax. Now this, um, I'm sorry, that's the dog. <laughs> and um, it's the same alloy as Swarovski jewelry is made of. We changed from aluminium to avoid any allergies um, from aluminium on the, on the wearers. Now this tag is bigger. It's aimed at repelling mosquitoes and ticks, which are the... Of, the, of all parasites, probably the most dangerous to humans. And also, as we mentioned, it has the scalar waves, the benefit of the scalar waves, which the cat and dogs had, tags had. But with humans, they, the scalar waves are stronger and the results have been well reported by the, the test group that I have in the USA. Yeah, that was Ben Poole, Managing Director, Cat and Dogs Global, about the non-toxic ecological biotech tag against fleas and ticks. And if you want to have more information about those tags, then go onto the website. It's uh, catanddogs.net or catanddogs.us. So I will have to try the human version because I love reading and I sit out in the garden and then the mosquitoes just love me. So that would be good for me. Oh, when you, yeah, hang on. Uh, just uh, talking of reading, you remember Sassafras Lowry from the last episode? Yes. The one with three dogs? Yes. Rings a bell. She is a, a trick dog instructor and an award-winning dog writer. She writes for magazines and she has written books. She has written a book. Uh, called healing slash healing so healing as in h-e-a healing and the other healing h-double-e healing yeah and the second book is tricks in the city it's a, a fun dog training book and she has written a book for dogs bedtime stories for rescue dogs william to the rescue and it's a picture adventure book <laughs> How did that idea come to you or what made you writing a book, a book for dogs? 
Yeah, it's kind of a funny concept, but you know, I, I write a lot about dogs and I've written about dogs for a long time. And one of the things that I did when I brought home a very special needs rescue dog who was who had a, has a lot of anxiety issues is I would read to her and I found out I wasn't the only person that did it. Uh, and there are actually programs across the states where people will read to shelter dogs or children who are learning to read will read to dogs as part of like literacy education. And I realized there weren't really books that were for dogs and from like a dog's perspective, like, but talking to them. And so it was a funny idea. And, um, it seemed like a lot of fun, and I had the opportunity to partner with uh, Lily Chin of Doggy Drawings, who's this amazing visual artist, and this idea that we were just kind of playing around with uh, became a real book. I don't know the story, but can you tell me a little bit about the story? Yeah, absolutely. So the story is centered around William, who is a Chinese crested, and he is a funny little guy, and he lives with his mom and a African gray parrot named King Jonathan. And he has a lot of adventures. We get to meet him and his little family. We meet his dog walker and all of the dogs that uh, he walks with. They live in a city. And then his mama has to go on a vacation, or not a vacation, just go on a work trip. And she can't bring him. And he doesn't really understand what a business trip is. So he has conversations with his dog buddies about what that might be and his uh, dog walker stays with him and the first night that his mom is away she calls and tries to talk to William on the phone and he is convinced that the little black box uh, known as the cell phone has captured his mom and he has to rescue her so the rest of the book is William's journey to rescue his mom and bring her home. When you wrote this story, did you try to um, put yourself into a dog's mind and wrote it from that perspective? Or what was actually the technique that you used to write this story? It sounds like a story to humans to me now, but what is appealing to dogs? Yeah, it was. Uh, so I, I got the idea for the story. Uh, I had been away on book tour and I was trying to call home and two of my three dogs were very happy to, you know, humor me by sitting there while my partner held the phone up to them and I could make myself feel better by talking to them. Uh, but my youngest dog, was really concerned about it. She had not seen me travel before and she was very confused about what the phone was, why I wasn't there, where my voice was coming from. And uh, I felt really bad about it. And so I got the idea for this story really from that interaction of, oh, I bet this is very strange to some dogs. Why is their person not there, but the voice is coming through? So that was where the first idea for the for the book came from. What actually did make you write that particular story? Did you think, oh, that, that my dog could understand that or this is how my dog thinks or my dog had that, has that logic so I have to twist the story into a, a certain direction? When you write a book, you maybe have someone in mind you, you write a story for and when you wrote this book, who did you have in mind? Did you have your dogs in mind? Yeah, I mean, I think I had I had my dogs in mind on some level. Um, you know, definitely the the how, you know confusing confusing cell phones 
my youngest dog for sure, and then my middle dog, who's this very special needs rescue, who I spent a lot of time when she first came home nine years ago reading stories to her. So I definitely thought about my own dog. But then I, I was thinking a lot about um, all of the amazing rescue dogs that I've known, you know, that I meet out in the world, you know, and I, I thought it would be fun to do something for them and for their parents that was just different and quirky. Now, I assume you have read that book to your dogs many times, like kids always want to have read the story over and over again. Did you do the same? Yeah, but I think my dogs have heard this story, you know, probably um, many, many, many times. For sure. <laughs> okay. How did your friends or people around you react when you told them I'm writing a book for dogs? <laughs> I feel like maybe they should have been concerned, but they weren't. Um, I feel like the context is that I am definitely known as a total dog nut. Um, I write for dog magazines. This is not my first dog book. So people are pretty used to me being a little over the top when it comes to dogs. So there was some a little bit of confusion of like, wait, it's a book for dogs, but people took it in stride. Okay, so there was no problem. And has that encouraged you to write more books for dogs? Yeah, the hope is that this Bedtime Stories uh, for Rescue Dogs will be a series of books. There's several stories that are, are written, um, partnering with different illustrators. So my hope is to do is to do more of them. What do you think? What is it? Why do dogs like to be read to? What's happening in a dog's mind when it's been read to? Um, you know, I can't answer the, you know, any sort of the like psychological medical pieces of it. But, you know, one thing that I think is really helpful for dogs is, you know, they're often soothed by our presence, by our voices. And so it's really about intentional time together um, and, you know, probably less about the story itself um though i like to think that dogs enjoy my story I've, i have heard that dogs who have been read my story seem to enjoy it but um you know dogs want to spend time with us and it's always fun to curl up with a good book <laughs> right so that means you can actually write uh, read a story to your dog that's been written for humans could be a complex story could be some philosophical book or some love story it didn't it wouldn't matter do you think i don't know i have to give it a try um i'm not sure what i'm not sure what my dogs would think of that william to the rescue the bedtime stories for rescued dogs have you got the book in your head at the moment maybe yep I do. Would you mind reading us a chapter out of it or a few sentences? Sure. So the introduction to the book is for all the rescue dogs who have found their forever families and for those very good dogs who are still waiting. And so I'll just read from the beginning. And it's my name is William and I go and I live in the middle of a deep jungle. I go on lots of adventures and am very brave. My mama tells me so. She lives here, too. The jungle is ruled over by a loud king named Jonathan. I'm afraid of him, but mama brings him offerings so he won't eat me. And what you can't see is you can't. William is sitting there, and his mom is uh, feeding the parrot treats. Perry is my walker, and he comes every afternoon to bring me on an outing with my friends. And then we get introduced to all of William's friends, Bobby, Claudia, Sage, Teddy, Presto, and Rocky. And this is the, Lily Chin is the artist and uh, her website is doggy, doggydrawings.net. And she just did a absolutely spectacular job um, 
rendering these dogs. And then on the next page, we see them going for a walk. Today, Mama left a note by the door for Perry with my raincoat and boots, reminding him to get me dressed. People say we look funny all walking together. So really, that's sort of the beginning of the story where we see William out with his friends. I can see the cover of the book, and it's it's a really beautiful picture, I have to say. Nice, colorful. How do dogs react to the pictures? I mean, they hear your voice, they hear the story, they can sort of maybe take it in. But do you show them the pictures as well? And what's their reaction? Yeah, I, you know, I, I go full into it with my dogs. And I, I, I always like to show them the pictures and they seem into it. Sassafras, this um, could be a great Christmas present for dogs or birthday present, I'm sure. And um, it's available on Amazon or in any bookshop, I assume. William to the rescue. Yeah. Bedtime stories for rescued dogs. And have you got, I'm probably asked you that question already, but what's your next project? Have you got another book already in mind for dogs? Yeah, so I am uh, under contract uh, to release a book uh, next year in 2020. It'll be uh, in July. It's called Chew This Journal, and it's an activity book for people and their dogs to do together, and it'll be coming out from Mango Press. Great. I wish you all the luck for that book, for the next project. And this will be the latest when we uh, probably have a chat again together. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Oh, that's very cool. Picture books for dogs. I didn't think that would work. Uh, that was Sassafras Lowry. And if you like to know more about her, she's got a website that is sassafraslowry.com S-A-S-S-A-F-R-A-S-L-O-W-R-E-Y Do I need to say this? .com <laughs> Well done, Katya. <laughs> <laughs> That was my own challenge. <laughs> Or easier, just check it out on the webpage. <laughs> Topdoc.space <laughs> Top Dog On Spot Challenge. There we are again, the challenge. But as we said before, there's nothing again this week. That is a shame. Please call, send us an email. If you know someone who you think could live up to the challenge, drop us an email, woof woof at topdog.space. And we happily organize a recording. <laughs> Oh, we have a call. Yeah. Oh, I guess who that is. Oh, no. <laughs> Not Gunther and Hans again. Yeah, no. Shall I really answer it? Well, yeah. yeah, let's do it. It's impolite. Yes, it is. Hello, Hans. Hello, hello. It's me, Hans. Hello, Katja. Hello, Adrian. How's it going? Yeah, good, thanks. And yourself? Where's Gunther? Uh, he took Frederike for a walk. He should be back any minute. Good on him. Uh, it is important to take your dog on walks regularly. They do. Yes, not, yes, they I know. Listen, that interview you just did with that writer, what was her name? Sassafras. Sassafras Lowry. It is very nice of her to write books about dogs and very noble to write a book for dogs, actually. But it is not that special, you know. What do you mean? Well, 
Everybody can write a book for dogs, but have you ever heard that a dog has written a book? What? A dog actually writing a book? A play, to be precise. And it's not just a dog, it's Frederike. Our Frederike. There we go. Wow, are you kidding us? No, I'm dead serious. She's written a play called Prince Ham's Big Bone. It's a very complex but easy understandable classic tragic and at the same time poetic play. Yes. Well, there's the challenge, Hans. It's hard to believe that Frederick actually did write a play. So why don't you prove it and perform that play for us? What? Prince Ham's Big Bone here right now? Yes. Right here, right now, in the Top Dog Hotspot Challenge. Um, um, oh, oh. Are again. Come on, here comes Gunther what? and Frederike, back from their walk. Gunther, Gunther, Frederike, guess what? Adrian and Katja want us to perform Prince Ham's Big Bone. What play? Frederike's play? Yes, 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 let's do it now. Yes! Let's set up the stage. Okay, I'm going to get the... Do you know, because we need the curtain for the lighting. And, and you yes, know. what can I do? What I could, I could do? And hello. Gunther, no, hello. I didn't mean you... I didn't mean you to make such a big fuss. Hello. Oh, look, there's Frederica. She's coming to the screen instead. Hello, Frederica. Oh, that's not a nice greeting. Ooh, I think she's angry. Don't you like us to see your play, Frederike? Whoops. Now she's hung up on us. I think she really doesn't want us to see the play. Well, quite obviously not. But hey, do you really think dogs can write? No, I don't. I think this was just a joke. Prince Ham's big bone. I mean, that's every dog's biggest dream, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what a joke. I agree. Well, let's go to my top dog instead then. Yes, let's do that. And I spoke to Yopi. Her life evolves around dogs. She she doesn't know anything else, I think. I can say <laughs> that here. And uh, she has a very, very, very special my top dog. Hello, Yopi. Yes, hello, Adria. You're a dog woman? Yes, it's not engraved on my forehead, but I feel it should be. I've had a lot of dogs, How many? especially since I've come to Australia. It's difficult to count. Ooh, 15, maybe, maybe 20. Um, they, they didn't all come voluntarily. <laughs> and of all the dogs I've had, I've only really bought one. Uh, the rest of them ended up in my care. Uh, a lot of them ended up in my care because I seem to have uh, an inclination to get the old dogs that are at the end of their lives that have some sort of health problem and they come and live with me and I spend a lot of money on them and see them out in, in a way. So that's 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 why I've had that many dogs. Uh, I love dogs. Uh, I do I do a lot uh, with dogs. I advise other people about their dogs and their behaviours. Uh, people come to me and ask me questions, and then I advise them, and they come back with good feedback, and I feel like I'm a dog woman. Is that because you learn a lot from old dogs? You learn a lot from old dogs and observing them, especially if you have a lot of them. Um, I remember about oh, 15, 20 years ago, uh, I would look after other people's dogs when they would go on a holiday, and uh, I couldn't say no. So I could end up with maybe oh, six, seven, or eight dogs in the house. 
the house was, of course, a mess. Uh, there were dog beds everywhere, and there were dog bowls everywhere, and feeding time was a disaster. It really, you really had to have a good idea which were the top dogs uh, that were happy, uh, that weren't happy to wait for their food, and the dogs that weren't the alpha dogs that were happy to wait for their food. Because, you know, you'd have like six or seven or sometimes ten bowls, and you have to dispense them as quick as possible because they just, they're all just pigs and they just get into each other's bowls anyway that was a logistical nightmare uh, although quite funny I, I've read a lot about it too if you come to my house there's shelves and shelves of dog books I know nobody has books anymore but I still have all my dog books uh, do you read to the dogs sometimes out of the I books? don't read to the dogs <laughs> no I've done a lot of study on uh, food and herbal um, additions to their diets you know so when people have issues with their dogs, I go, well, try this first before you go and spend $70 at the vet, $70 for the consultation and then the rest for all their medication. And sometimes it works, but, you know, sometimes you just have to have the hardcore vet medicine. So if you're asking me about dogs, I've had a lot of them. I grew up with poodles when I was uh, a young uh, girl, and my father would always clip them because it's expensive to have them clipped, you know. So he would clip them and I'd help him, and it was a middle-sized poodle, and I loved poodles, and I liked fluffing around with them and clipping them and brushing them. So I got this poodle, but it was not a small poodle. It was a a reason poodle, uh, a standard poodle, as they say in uh, king, in, king poodle. Yeah, we called yeah. it. We called them in the, in Dutch. We called them king poodles. Yeah. And in in Australia or in English, they're called standard poodles. And I got an exceptionally large one. He was massive, and his name was Michael. He was already called Michael when I got him. He was five months old. He came from a breeder who wanted to show him. Uh, but his tail was too curly. In the industry, they call that a gay tail. So she couldn't show him. But he, he had been trained for the show ring. So in the first couple of months, I couldn't get him to sit down because they're not allowed to sit down in the ring. And I couldn't um, make him do a wee when he was on the lead either because that's what they're trained to do. Um, okay, we, we overcame all these issues. And he was a lovely dog. He was a very soft dog to me very soft dog and not overly protective in the sense that if you would go somewhere that he would sort of buff himself up to put my, put himself in between me and anybody else unless these these men would come to my house then things changed the moment a man came into my house he would put himself in between me and a man didn't matter what man friends old men young men what not. He would circle them and make sure they couldn't come close to me. And I always thought that was a huge joke up until the day when it wasn't. Because <laughs> I had this man visiting me and we wanted to enjoy some intimate times. And I never had any restrictions on Michael. He owned the whole house. He slept on my bed. He walked in and out. And I, I sort of normal and natural to me didn't worry about it, but I had to worry about it that day because he objected to the physical activity. Did you agree in hindsight? Of course I did. <laughs> <laughs> and it made me laugh, but it didn't make th this particular man in question laugh very much because he just jumped on the bed and he, he didn't bite him, but he got very close, barking at this man's bottom. 
Right. And then this <laughs> Did man. Did he mix up the bottom with his face? Or? <laughs> no. No, I think he was just uh, uh, taking exception to the to the exercise that was taking place. And he was uh, not in agreement. He, nobody was going to do anything like He saw it as an aggression. He saw it as an aggressive act. So he would, stood up, he would stand up, jump on the bed, bark at this man's bottom. And, of course, this man got up and said, it's, uh, it's me or the dog. And, of course, your choice was unquestionable. <laughs> unquestionable. <laughs> <laughs> I said, it's Michael sleeps on my bed. You can go. Yeah. That actually happened twice with another man as well. Oh, right. Years later. Years later. And did you agree with that one as well? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Okay. He, had, so actually, he had good taste. He's actually lived up to his name. He was a protector. He a was guard, a protector. And his name was Michael, which was funny because I'd taken for a walk on the beach. Yeah. And there's an awful lot of men in uh, my age group that are called Michael. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we can. Uh, I think we can guess the the end of that story. <laughs> Yopi, many many thanks for the insight into your dog's life, and especially Michael, who probably turned you into a wallflower. <laughs> <laughs> That's it—a nice, quiet, middle-aged wallflower. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> What a story, what a dog. I think I should get one like that. <laughs> yeah, actually, and what a person she is, Yopi. She actually has a, had a second dog she was telling about, and his name was Barney. He was a Pomeranian cross with a, an Australian terrier. He was about 11 or 12 years old. Uh, that's when she got him. And he had an underbite. That means he had bottom teeth stuck out they were all over the place and it was a very arrogant dog and that dog had three balls <laughs> what <laughs> that's <Yes>. amazing <laughs> that probably made him so arrogant but uh, it was actually a bad thing to have having three balls so they had to operate them take them all off because they were cancerous so that wasn't a good thing <laughs> mm. but Barney ran the pack okay <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, not another call. No, that's Hans and Gunther again. Oh, shall we answer that? Well, Frederica might want to apologize for having been so rude before. Hello, hello. Wow, look at you both. Look at those costumes. Hans, you look like a real prince. And that beautiful crown. Yes. <laughs> I am Prince Ham. <laughs> and Gunther, look at you. What are you? A princess? Wow. Yes, I am a princess and I made all the costumes myself. <laughs> and look at the stage. You guys really did set yourselves up. You've got it all. A curtain, lighting. What's that? A proper stage with a throne on it and even a backdrop. Wow. What is it? Um, a mountain, forests and a castle. Wow. Yes, and I painted that all myself. We haven't performed the play before, so it is going to be a first, a so-called premiere. Now, to the play. As I said in our previous conversation, Prince Ham's Big Bone is a very complex but easy understandable, classic, tragic and at the same time poetic play. The protagonist is Ham, Prince of Dogmark, son of King Ham, who recently died. King Ham's brother, King Bacon, hastily married Prince Ham's mother and took at the same time the throne with its Big Bone. 
which is the scepter, if you like. So, Prince Ham is upset because he wants the big bone to himself. He seeks revenge. So, I am Prince Ham and I am upset. And what about Gunther? Are you his mother? Me? No, no way. I'm a princess. Princess bitch. There is no princess in this play. Yes, there is. Every play has a princess. Frederica, I am a princess, aren't I? See, I told you so. You are my mother. Oh, that's not fair. Let's begin. First act. Break a leg. I snuck into the main chamber and hold the big bone, the scepter, that was on the throne, in my hand and say, to sniff or not to sniff? That is the question. How was I? How was I? She didn't like it. Let's go to the next scene when I'm coming in and catch you red-handed. I'm coming in. My dearest son. My dearest mother. What now? She wants us to do the right thing what dogs do when they meet. I'm not going to sniff your bottom. Don't upset Frederica. Just hold your nose. Like I do. All right. Okay. I'm coming in. My dearest son. My dearest mother. Something is rotten in the state of Dogmark. Oh, that this two-two solid bone would melt, thaw, and resolve itself into its own. What now? I think she doesn't want us to hold our noses anymore. I think she doesn't like the way we are acting. I think she wants the bone. Oh, watch out! Watch out, he's jumping at us! No, not the bones! She's got the bone! She's running away! Frederica, come back! back. Do something, Gunther! This is our bone! Give it back! No, no, you can't have the bone! (laughs) Hans, Gunther! Hello! Come back, come back! Off they go, like always. They won't be back for a while. All right, then, let's hang up. So I really think Frederica, if she has written that play, she only wrote it because she wanted to have that big bone <laughs> solar set up. Let's hope that the bone that they're using in the play is a real bone, not a prop. I'm sure it is a real bone, otherwise Frederica wouldn't have stolen it. But anyway, she's off with the fairies, <laughs> or with the bone rather, and uh, this is the end of the show. A show without ticks and without fleas. But with a good book. A very protective and fastidious dog. And funny play. (laughs) If you liked it, tell your friends. Listen to us on www.topdog.space. Or find us in your favourite podcast app or podcast portal. And I say bye-bye. I'm Adrian. I'm Katja and I say... Say hello to your mum from me. And to your dog from me. (laughs) 